Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. SOAP. How are you feeling? Are you awake? Are you well rested? You guys finish wiping the crust from your eyes. You got to splash some water on your face. You're you're alert and you're ready to dig into the word. Or am I the only one that's been up for a while and I'm pumped up? Listen, I'm on I'm on my second cup already. It's about to get crazy, guys. So hold on. Today we are in Esther four. We're uh, this this month of soap. We're really pushing. Um, uh, the study of the miracles of the Bible and 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 how miracles take place in the Bible and we're continuing this week on on, on the story of of Esther and um all that took place um for this this woman of God so I'm gonna pray and we're gonna get right into it Father we thank you Lord for for this opportunity we have to to fellowship, Lord, and to to read your word, Lord, and and, and read the things that, that you were a part of, Father, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for uh, your blessings, Jesus, and I pray that you will be with us, Lord. Open up our eyes, open up our minds, open up our hearts to, to what you want to reveal to us. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Esther 4, and like usual, I am reading from the New King James Version. <clears throat> When Mordecai learned <clears throat> all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away, but he would not accept them. Then Hester called Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hathach went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for the destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, and that he might command her to go into the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hathach returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go in to the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. 
And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do you do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews? For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews who are present at Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Amen. So, um, this story of, of Esther, the entire story of Esther is very, very interesting. Um, <clears throat> the book of Esther is, you know, is the, is the one book in the Bible that that God is not really mentioned at all, you know, although they do pray and they fast and, you know, um, so the Jews were finding they're in, in Persia. Um, and they were, um, brought there previously. Um, they, they, they were part of the Babylonian captivity. And then once the Persians, um, conquered Babylon, then a lot of them went into, into Persia. And, and if we go back to, um, Esther one, King Xerxes, which in Esther he's he's known as Ahasuerus, and Ahasuerus was is the Hebrew name for King Xerxes. Um, he throws this lavish banquet to display his his wealth, to display his power, and the queen at the time, Queen Vashti, refuses to obey his command to appear before his guests. And so this angered the king, and so he got rid of her. He was like, "Nope, you ain't gonna be queen no more. You done right." In Esther 2, uh, a search was made for a new uh, a queen, and, and virgins from all around the, the, the kingdom of Persia were brought and they were prepared. And, you know, and, you know, for 12 months, they were prepared just to be brought before the king. And um, Esther was one of these, these virgins. Esther, a Jewish orphan, she catches the eye of, of King Xerxes and she becomes queen. Mordecai, Esther's cousin, um, in, in the second chapter, he discovers his plot against the king and informs Esther, who tells the who tells the king. And so this elevates Mordecai. And in Esther 3, yesterday's chapter, Haman, he's this, he becomes this influential official to King Xerxes, and he rises to power and and and, and is demanded that all bow down to him. And Mordecai. Esther's cousin refuses to bow. He's like, I ain't doing that. I'm bound to you. And so this enrages Haman and Haman's able, able to convince King Xerxes to issue a decree to exterminate all the Jews in the, in the, in the land. So this is where we find, we, we open up an Esther four. <clears throat> and so the, 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 the letters with the King's seal had went out to all the provinces and the letters said to destroy, to kill and to annihilate all the Jews both young and old, little children, women, and women in one day. That's crazy, right? That's 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 an insane decree. And when when the letters went out, Haman and the king they decided to get to get drunk, right? Haman was happy, right, with what he did. Haman was happy that he was able to accomplish this, right? Because he felt disrespected by Mordecai. And and Though though Mordecai he he was in turmoil about this, he anguished about this, 
we remember that it was his integrity that was the cause of it. You know, because it says he cried out with a loud and bitter cry, but he he still would not change his mind and grovel at the feet of Haman to save himself or his or his people. This was, you know, and he wouldn't go back and try to change his mind. And and, and it wasn't just because of his personal integrity, but according to to the laws of the Persians, once a law was was decreed, it could never be changed. Right. So Mordecai, he already knew like there's no use trying to to plead my case there's no use in doing it why what's the what's the point because the law is very clear once a law goes forth from the king it cannot be changed and so it says in verse three three there was great mourning amongst the jews you know this mordecai's reaction was was it was imitated all over the persian empire and in public ex, ex, uh, expressions of grief, public expressions of anguish, right? The, the the letter with the king's seal went everywhere. So every Jew saw this, and they knew on this on this particular day they were going to get annihilated. And so Esther's um, servants they 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 came and told her what was going on. You know, Esther is living in the palace; she's in isolation. You know. She's living um, a, a, a life where she wasn't aware of everything that was going on. She was not aware of, of this decree, you know. And, and at this point, King Xerxes did not know she was a Jew. You know, he, she, of course, as far as Xerxes was concerned, my wife is just this fine woman over there. I don't care where she came from, you know, but she caught my eye. She's the most beautiful woman. That's it. Where she came from. It's not his concern. And so, so um, before she could understand the decree, she, she could not fully understand um, uh, why her cousin Mordecai was making a spectacle of himself. All she heard was that he was outside the gate in sack, sackcloth, in ash, mourning and wailing in anguish because he knew at that point, he, he knew him and the rest of his people were going to be destroyed. So Esther's like, dude, what are you doing? You know, cousin, why are you embarrassing yourself, right? And um, verse 7, it says, And the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. Mordecai knew that, that this plot was motivated in part by, by uh, Haman's greedy desire to seize the money and the property that um, the Jewish people owned in Persia. Haman had promised the king that if he made this decree, he was going to pour money into the treasury to make the, 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 the treasury of Persia richer, make the king richer. But how was he going to do it? Exterminate the people, take all their stuff, right? And and the, the King Xerxes, he's just like, cool. I mean, more money, more, tra- more, more wealth to go out and, and display how powerful I am? Do it. Right. And so the um her servants go to Mordecai and, and he he gives the servant a copy of the decree. And, and, and after giving a copy of the decree of the decree to Esther through the courier, Mordecai um, challenged her to intercede on behalf of her people before the king. But she had to remind them of the law. Any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law. Put all 
to death. If you have not been called to the king and you just show up, you're going to get killed, right? And everyone knew that. That was the law. Esther explained the difficulty behind this. She was only allowed to come to the king when she was called to the king. And if she came on her own, she could be executed for just daring to approach the king without an invitation. Apparently, the life of, of a queen of Persia was not one of great intimacy with her husband. Right? They didn't have this, you know, this lovey-dovey relationship. You know, she couldn't just go and just talk to him. They couldn't just have a conversation. You know, man, can you imagine if that's the way it was now? Like your wife could only speak to you when you tell her you could speak. Whoo, man, that's insane, right? That wouldn't work with my wife, though. She'd still come. She, she don't care. Y'all know. Nicole, you know. You know. If you know, you know. <laughs> but she could not go. She could not go before the king. And Esther even said, I myself have not been called to go to the king these 30 days, meaning it had been about a month since she had even seen her husband. So let's be real. Esther was afraid. Nobody wants to go die. You know, nobody wants to go into a situation knowing that they're going to die. You know, Esther was afraid as, as, as well as she should be. Verse 13, he says, do not think in your heart that you will escape. Mordecai, he reminds Esther that she could not remain insulated from this decree any more than anyone else. Because the potential of it coming out that she was also a Jew, she could be killed. But verse 14, if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Mordecai's trust was in the faithfulness of God, not just in the faithfulness of Esther. He believed in God, that God would make a way. He believed that even if Esther did nothing, even if Esther did not use her influence, her power as queen of Persia, even if she did nothing, God could still make a way. Come on, guys. We put our trust in a lot of things. But our trust ultimately needs to be on God. Our trust ultimately needs to be on Jesus Christ, who can deliver us from any situation we find ourselves in. Mordecai knows that God will not let his people down, even if the individuals let God down. The Jewish people were in this, in this situation because they had let God down years and years prior. They had disobeyed the Lord. They had forsaken his commands. They had worshiped idols, right? They had let God down. And so even though God allowed them to be in this place of captivity between the Babylonians and now the Persians, he would still not let them be annihilated. And Mordecai knew this. He goes on to say, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? How many times have we heard that phrase? For such a time as this. For such a time as, as this. Listen, brothers and sisters, either right now here at 6 a.m. Soap or listening on the podcast or YouTube later, you have been appointed where you are for such a time as this. Who knows who you are supposed to influence? Who knows who you're supposed to witness to? Who knows who you're supposed to be an example to because of your belief in Jesus Christ? You, we are all in here 
right now for such a time as this. Mordecai knew that God had promoted his little cousin for a reason. And Esther must have the courage and the wisdom to see that reason and to fulfill it. And this principle applies to us also. God promotes us or puts us in places for a reason. And we need to have the courage and the wisdom to see that reason and walk in it. Charles Spurgeon, he writes, you have been wishing for another position where you could do something for Jesus. Do not wish anything of the kind, but serve him where you are. Don't be looking for promotion. Don't be looking for recognition. Don't be looking for people to to see you as something greater than what you are. You have been placed where you are for a reason. So walk in that calling. We just ended our 21 days of fasting and prayer. My prayer for each of you was that during that time, you were asking the Lord to show you, to reveal to you, to open up your your eyes, remove the scales from your eyes, to see where he has placed you. Do not think that where you are right now is insignificant or doesn't mean anything. Do not think that because you serve at Fusion Church and you're on the parking lot team or you're not or you're on the hospitality team or you're a greeter that you that 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 position is not important. It's not important because all of those positions reach people who are far from Jesus. We receive testimonies all the time of people pulling into the uh, the parking lot of one of our locations and they see a parking lot guy waving to them and that's what got, what got them into the doors of the church they have they see a greeter with a sign saying welcome home welcome home and that's what brought them into the church and they felt that you had that you wherever you are oftentimes has even more influence than the pastor of the church right because Individuals coming to the church for the first time, they got to go through layers of people, right? Before they even get into the worship center, before they even get through worship and uh, our time of worship, before uh, Pastor Brennan or Pastor Danielle or whoever's speaking even gets onto the platform. And they've already decided if this is going to be my church or not. For such a time as this. For such a time as this, we are all called to be where we are. We are all called. Verse 16, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Taking the determination uh, uh, of of the Lord, Esther um, decided that she would go and make a bold appearance before the king, but only if, if she was supported by prayer and fasting. Jesus reminds us that special, uh, uh, certain spiritual battles sometimes require special preparation with prayer and fasting. Regarding the case of a stubborn um, demon possession, Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 21, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is so important, guys. It is so important. We do the 21 day every uh, 21 day fast every year. It is not just something that we decide to do, okay? It's not just something. Listen, I'm going to be real with you. As the calendar's coming up and we on the, on, on the staff of the church and we're looking at the camera for, okay, excuse me, <laughs> the calendar for the next, you know, you know, six months, three months, two months, and we see prayer and fat, you know, 21 days. Listen, I do not jump for joy at the, at the thought of fasting. I'm going to be real. Listen, 
Pastor Jason gonna be real with you, right? But prayer and fasting is so important. It's so important. And it's so important we take it seriously. We don't get so caught up in the in the rules of fasting, but we we we, we take we make an, an earnest attempt, and God knows our heart, right? Certain things can only take place after a time of prayer and fasting. She says, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. Esther, he carried a, a bold attitude towards her mission. And she was to, determined to be obedient no matter the cost. And Jesus encourages us to do to have the same attitude. In Matthew 10, 28, she says, he says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. The Apostle Paul was, was also an example of his attitude in Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so it, it's estimated that, the, that, that uh, the book of Esther was written between 400 and 200 BC. And, and there, there are multiple ways that this chapter can speak to us today, especially when we find ourselves in a crisis. And come on, I know I'm not the only one who has found themselves in a crisis. I know I'm not the only one who has found, found himself just wondering, God, why? Why? Why, why, why? You know? So this passage, it highlights the necessity of, of mourning, of, of lamenting in times of crisis. Lamenting is a way of, of relieving, um, releasing, excuse me, emotions. It's described as a language for dealing with it. Although not solving the problem of suffering, it's necessary to acknowledge painful situations. We need to acknowledge when we're in pain. We need to acknowledge when we're suffering. Don't just stifle it down and hold it in, you know, because we got to put up a good front because we have to, we have to show that, you know, I'm strong. Nothing gets, you know, nothing gets by me. You know, how many times you go to a church and you're like, how you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed knowing good and well, your life is going to hell in a handbasket, right? And it's one thing to have a good attitude, right? But it's another thing to just pretend like everything is okay. You need to take the time to mourn, to lament. If there's a loss in your life of anything, of anything Take the time to mourn it. It's healthy. It's biblical. Mourn it. Allow yourself to go through the process so you can be healed. Allow yourself to go through the process so you can come at the other end stronger. Right? It's healthy. Mordecai and the Jews did not hide their pain. They did not hide their fears over the impending annihilation of the people. They mourned it. They mourned it. This passage also illustrates the importance of fasting and, and prayer. Esther's request for Jews to fast for her highlights the importance of seeking divine intervention. Fasting in the Bible is presented as a way for God's people, as individuals or, or as a, a body, to express humility, sorrow, to express repentance, and a desire for God's manifest presence to be in their lives. We as believers are called to prayer and fasting in trying times. Jesus fasted in Matthew 4, 
and expected his followers to fast. And he he advised them on what to do and what not to do when they fast in Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. And even if for some reason we cannot fast, you know, even during this Daniel fast, people did different variations of fasting because, you know, dietary restrictions, and that's okay. God understands. So even if you cannot fast in a certain way, Paul still encourages us in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. Make your your, your requests be made known to God. Prayer and fasting is so important. And don't get caught up on the fasting in the, the rules of the fast. I told you guys uh, the past couple of weeks, during this 21 days of, of fasting and prayer, I really felt the Lord tell me, yes, fast and pray. But we get too caught up on the fasting. We get too caught up on what we can and cannot do, what we can and cannot have. We get caught up in all that stuff and prayer gets pushed to the wayside. Focus on the prayer. Focus on that intimacy with God because he is the sustainer of our soul. He is the sustainer of our body, right? Fasting and prayer in all times, even when you're not going through a situation, fast and pray. Fast and pray. And here's the other thing when it comes to fasting and prayer. We're not called like the Jews to cover ourselves in ash and sackcloth. We're not called to, to make public displays of our, of our mourning and our fasting and our prayer. We're not. Fasting, yes, we do our corporate fast, our 21-day fast. And there are different times, you know, within the calendar year where, where we as a corporate body of believers will fast. You know, prior to the launch of Cumberland County, we went on a 21-day fast, you know, be, before we launched this location this thriving, beautiful, amazing location of Fusion Church, okay? But when you're doing your personal fast, not everybody needs to know about it. I don't want to, listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm the wrong one. If 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 in the middle of May, you're in a fast, God bless, praise God. But if if I come to you, I'm like, hey, how you doing? Well, I'm fasting and I'm, I want to hear all that. You're missing the point. You're missing the point of it all. Take it seriously. Allow God to show you and reveal to you and steer you in the direction that he wants you to go. And finally, this book, this chapter um, presents the idea of solidarity. It's not only the work of, of an individual, but collective action from all of us. Esther had to be brave to face the king, but she could only do so after the intercessory fast by Mordecai and all the other Jews. The Jews had to, had to depend both on divine help as well as their solidarity to overcome the crisis. We're not always called to fast alone. And I'm telling you right now, you there may be times when you need to get some other brothers around you, some sisters around you. Like, will you join me in fast, fasting? You know, where two or three are gathered, he is in their midst. Where if two or three are fasting together, God will move. That's why I believe every year when we do this 21-day fast, this corporate church fast, it is, I dare say, ridiculous the things that God does. 
ridiculous the things that are taking place, the healings that are taking place, the breakthroughs that take place, right? So sometimes if you're going through a, a, a tough situation, you need to get that, that that's right, Nicole, that's that circle of friends, that small circle, not everybody. You don't need 30 people fasting with you, but you get that core group of people, right, who will pray and fast with you. When Jesus went to pray in, in the garden, who did he take? Three people. Three dudes. And yes, they let them let him let him down, but is an example to us. Take that core group around you. Be in solidarity in your prayer and fast. You should have a small group who knows you, a small group that you can be real with, a small group that knows all your junk, all your dirt, and they don't judge you because you know their junk and their dirt. Right? And you are you are together in unity. And that group of people. You come together and you fast and you pray. I'm going to tell you right now, if you at Cumberland County, even some of you ladies at EHT, if you come to my wife and you want to talk, you want counsel, and she, God bless her, she is more than willing to sit with you and be with you. But one of the things she's going to tell you, if I know my wife and and after you know going on 22 years of marriage, I think I know her pretty well, she's going to say, hmm, I think we need to fast. I think we need to pray. And there are times where whoever she's she's talking to will say, I don't know about that. Certain things can only be overcome by fasting and prayer. So the book of Esther reminds us that it is appropriate to lament, to, 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 to lament the pain of sickness and of loss of loved ones, loneliness. Um and we do so, let, as we do so, we need to let our lament be addressed to our loving God, who's ever present, to our Savior Jesus, who is well acquainted with pain and suffering, and to the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who's always with us. And through prayer and fasting, we can express our pain. Just like in the book of Esther, we all have a part to play. Even if you're not what, what you may consider um, front line on this on this eternal battle that we're going through, right? You may that you, wherever you're, you're at, you can still support. You may not be called to be on the platform praying. You may not be called to be a lead pastor, a senior pastor, right? So what you need to do is be praying for our pastor, praying for our elders, praying for our leaders, because we all do not know the mantle of responsibility that is to be a lead pastor of a church, let alone a lead pastor of a church our size. And to have that, just the, the care and concern for every single person. So what can you do in this battle? You intercede on his behalf. You pray for our pastor and his family. You pray for our elders and their families as they lead us right? As God is revealing things to them and showing things to them for the future of the church and where this ministry is going to go. We all play a part. We all have a play a part in our different spheres of influence, you know? So my brothers and sisters, as, as I close, as I close, listen, we all have a part to play. We are all here for such a time as this. It is so important. So as you're going through a, a trial, a tribulation, 
take the time to lament, to mourn, to grieve, right? Fast and pray. So important. Fast and pray. And then have that core group of people around you that can fast and pray with you. And I'm telling you, God will move. Things will change. And even if your current situation doesn't change, perhaps your perspective will change. God will allow you to see it from a different point of view to realize, well, okay, maybe it's not that bad. I can get through this. With the Lord's help, I can get through this. And that is growth. That is spiritual order and discipline. That is that is relying more on him than we are relying on ourselves. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that, that we have this book of Esther to just show us that even though your name is not mentioned in this book, you're still through all these pages. We can see how prayer and fasting how it moves mountains. And we're going to continue to see as we fit, as we go throughout the rest of this book over the next couple of days, what changed, what shifted when your people stopped, they prayed and they fasted and miracles happen. Miracles take place. Father, we're in this miracle, miracles in motion, spiritual growth journey. And we're already getting testimonies of people within our church who are being healed. Testimonies of restoration taking place in families. Testimonies of doors opening up, jobs being, 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 being earned. And, and it's only because of you, Jesus. So thank you. Thank you that miracles didn't just take place in the Bible, but miracles are happening right now. Today, we are in the middle of a miracle. So Father, we praise you that you have chosen and allowed us to be a part of this for such a time as this. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would just continue to speak to them. Lord, I'm so proud of so many of us who are who are every morning getting up and digging into your word, Jesus. Continue to, 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 to grow our spiritual muscles. Continue to, to, to open up our minds, our ears, our hearts to your word. Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love y'all. I'll see you again next week. God bless.